Hello and welcome to the Bottom Up Skills Podcast. I'm Mike Parsons, I'm the CEO of Qualidence and today we're going to talk minimum viable product. Yes, building a minimum viable product, otherwise known as an MVP, is such a good way to test your product idea. And what's neat about it is why build the entire product, whether it's digital, analog, all that code, all that infrastructure, why build it all and then test when you can test really light versions, uh, light ideas, sketches, models, prototypes, you name it, uh, really early in the process so you can get a better idea of if your product really works for the user. So today we're going to discover all the different ways you can test and learn surveys, prototypes, or even feature-driven for minimum viable products. So we're going to get into the good stuff. Now, the first thing I want to say here is some really hardcore lean startup folks would um, not always want to do surveys and interviews, but frankly, I really like them to kind of set the scene and to get you kind of comfortable with the market that you're going in, the segment, your customers, and so forth. You can do a lot of rapid prototyping and a lot of uh, testing and learning after that, but I find it can give you some very, very good insights. So I'm stretching this concept of what can be the minimum uh, viable product to include uh, surveys and interviews. Um, But of course, we're going to talk about some prototyping, and of course, we'll get into some Uh, MVPs. So I'm going to break down each three types that I've just bucketed for you and we're going to get into them and hopefully this gives you some inspiration about how to test your next product idea. Okay, let's talk about surveys and interviews and how they can help you test your product idea. Now, uh, you might hear these formally talked about in terms of quantitative and qualitative research. All they're really talking about is a survey, which is quant and qual, that's the interview. And uh, you're looking at either doing surveys or user interviews. And I want to share with you just a couple of really cool tips and tricks that I've learned throughout the years and some best practices to help you get the most out of testing your idea. Without a doubt, if you're going to do a survey, one of the most important things is your screener. And I love to use a screener as a way to create a segmentation of my audience, of my customer, my user. So let's just take this idea that um, we want to develop a new app for, for getting podcasts onto a smartphone. I would have a screener that starts the survey asking them a couple of different ways to describe themselves. And this will help me understand not only some usage insights, but it might give me a little bit of a sense of which segment of all of the podcast listeners and users might be a market for my product. So I would have something like uh, on the survey, first question is, you know, what, which best describes your podcast usage? I'm hooked. Mm, I like podcasts. I've listened to a few shows or lastly, pod what? And obviously you can expand upon these and give more context, but this could be really powerful because I might discover that people who like podcasts would listen more if they had particular features or um, experiences in their podcasting habits. And then I'd be off to the races. I've got something to build a hypothesis around. 
Um, some of the other questions I love to ask is, you know, what's the biggest pain that you experience? Um, what trips you up? Um, and um, in a second round of um, uh, surveys and interviews, you might start getting into asking people to evaluate an idea or a visual asset that is a, almost a poster, if you will, for the, for the given product a solution that you want to build. And you ask them to rate it out of a scale of 10. 10 being amazing, one being not so crash hot. And you can propose something and ask them how interesting is the proposition, how likely would they be to share it, or how likely they might be to try the product. What's really interesting, these are all very good early indicators of whether you're onto something with your product. So there you go. You don't have to build any code or you don't have to build any physical product or distribution you can just get in front of users, either through a survey or interview. You can ask some of these questions and you're actually already starting to test your product. Now, let's say that goes very well and you're pretty excited uh, from your interview and or your survey. And now you want to build um, a lightweight prototype. And uh, this is really going to help you see if you've got uh, problem solution fit. And you might uh, have a product demo. This was famously done by the guys at Dropbox. They just made a video of their product and so many people liked it, they then decided to build it. Or you might get into bringing the experience to life through different what we call versions of uh, minimum viable product. You could, have, uh, you could crowdfund it. So just think about Kickstarter. You can put it up there. The product's not built. You might have a picture or a profile prototype that you show, or you might get in front of real users, and frankly, this is some of the best stuff, where you do what we call either a concierge MVP or Wizard of Oz. Um, the concierge one I want to focus on because that's actually what uh, Zappos did when they launched. They actually needed to test whether people would even buy shoes online. So what they did is they made a website, and they only fulfilled orders if someone actually purchased and they had no stock and then they would run down the road, buy the shoes and send it. Well, pretty soon they got so much response that they actually validated their hypothesis through their MVP. And then through that, they were ready to take it to the moon. So this is the second bucket. This is the rapid prototyping. We've got a whole masterclass on rapid prototyping. So if you're interested in that, head over to bottomup.io and you can sign up for the free masterclass there. Now, the last bucket is building a feature-driven MVP. And um, the reason I say that's different to a concierge or Wizard of Oz MVP is you're really moving into to test a new level of uh, user experience. And it's generally much more work than the earlier two buckets. So we had bucket number one of testing of MVPs, survey or interview, that's number one. Number two was prototyping, all right? Number three is building what we call feature-driven MVP. Now, this is particularly good for software folks, people building digital products. And there's two things you really want to do here. You want to test either for task completion, which is a very, very, very strong indicator on your product. Can they get the job done? And if you want to take that to its highest order, uh, where you're actually really starting to get a product market fit, is when not only can you bring an early adopter to your feature-driven MVP, not only can they complete the task, but where they actually would recommend it to a friend. They're so satisfied 
that they would actually be prepared to not only purchase this given product or service, but actually they want to share it with a friend. And if you can get to that level uh, with your MVP, you can have enormous confidence to go out into the world and actually build your product for real. You might want to raise money. You might even want to get people internally, if you're at a large enterprise, to get behind your product. So let's just zoom back and look at what we're what we have as our opportunity with MVPs. Surveys and interviews, great start. Hardly any effort, lots of reward. Prototyping, bit more work, but it gets better. You get a lot of rich feedback, particularly when you think about those concierge MVPs. And then you can really get into a feature-driven MVP where you can really know click by click, can they get the task completed? Um, are they satisfied? And would they be prepared to tell somebody about this experience. So I've given you sort of a broader look at minimum viable product. The key thing with all of these is they help you avoid building an entire product before you test. Because who would want to go to all that effort only to find out that you're actually not solving the right problem, maybe you're talking to the wrong segment. Who would want to waste all that time and effort what these three different types of MVP do for you is give you the opportunity to check, to validate, to test, to learn. This makes you more confident. And the way you get achieve that confidence is you're de-risking your product. You're actually like, I've actually seen with my own eyes, this really works. And it's enormously important because your stakeholders or your investors can be more confident, but so can you. And this will fill you with that energy to keep charging along on one of the hardest things in the world, which is to build a brand new product. Well, there you have it. Uh, that is our, our little look at building minimum viable products. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you really got uh, a nice little thought, suggestion, tip or a trick out of that. There's plenty more uh, ideas and advice uh, for you. And you just head over to bottomup.io and you can get all sorts of free masterclasses, all sorts of goodies to help you build a great product. All right. Thanks for listening to the Bottom Up Skills podcast. That's a wrap. 